Welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Revelant, and I'm a journalist, healthcare copywriter, and a mom of two. In every episode, we talk about the challenges around feeding kids and give you practical and realistic solutions that will inspire and empower you to raise healthy eaters. Hi, friends. Welcome to another week of the podcast. We're continuing on in our series talking to mom entrepreneurs who are solving for some of the biggest issues around feeding kids. I am so excited for today's episode because the co-founder's mission is very much aligned with mine, which is to inspire parents to rethink feeding their kids so that we can reimagine a healthier future. We all know that childhood obesity and type 2 diabetes in the pediatric population are epidemics. But we're also seeing increasing rates of other conditions like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which was previously only seen in adults. And what we do know is that these conditions can be largely prevented by what we eat. The way I see it is that it really doesn't matter whether your kid is overweight or not. They need to learn healthy habits now so that they'll have them throughout their lives. I became really passionate about feeding kids when my first child was born. As a kid growing up in the 80s, I lived on processed foods, steak gums, pot pies, TV dinners, you name it, and it all took a toll on my health. I had high cholesterol and GI issues, and I battled my weight throughout my later teen years and into my 20s because I just didn't know how to eat healthy. I ultimately educated myself and changed my habits, but many of my family members were overweight, had heart disease and diabetes, and I didn't want that for my family. So when my daughter started solids, I was so excited because she was a blank slate and I knew that I could change it around for her. I could introduce her to real food and shape her palate from the start to love vegetables and healthy food and be an adventurous eater today and well into the future. That is what Betsy Ford and Sophia Laurel, co-founders of Tiny Organics, believe, and they're on a mission to make it happen. I think, you know, that's definitely what kind of carried us through is like this love of plants and understanding that plants can like fuel you and light you up, right? Wanting to give that gift to children. Betsy, Sophia, and I talk about why they started Tiny Organics, their journey to launch a food business during the pandemic and their veggie first, low sugar approach. They also talk about how they're building valuable relationships with their customers and changing the conversation around feeding little ones without making moms feel any shame or guilt, plus their favorite tips for feeding kids. This was such a fun conversation, and I know you're going to love this interview with Betsy Four and Sophia Laurel. Betsy and Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we jump right in? Let's talk about both of your stories and what were you doing before founding Tiny Organics? This is Betsy. I, um, my, my background is uh, coming from industrial design by trade. Um, so I'm really an inventor at my core. I started out as a toy inventor in the children's space a um, number of years ago now, um, and then wound up building toys for Mattel. Um, and master Hasbro uh, in the States uh, before reading about a brand that was bubbling up on the digital side in London um, called Mashi Monsters. And I thought, wow, this, this founder is incredible. Maybe I could um, turn that into a physical franchise. And so very long story short, but 
wound up building that brand into the number one um, toy brand in all of Europe for three years on and worked on the digital side as well. So we were kind of like the Pokemon of the UK called Mashi Monsters. And the founder, Michael Acton Smith, is the founder of Calm, the meditation app as well. He was also building that at at the time. Um, And I was able to uh, go to hackathons on the weekend and it wound up inventing my previous company, which was the first Fitbit for dogs. Uh, for my dog, Whiskey, my fur baby, um, who <laughs> was a bit overweight at the time, but he got down to his goal weight because of the device, which can extend his life up to two years. And I just thought like, you know, at that time, over half of dogs in the UK and US were considered overweight or obese. Um, I thought like, maybe I could give this like, you know, <laughs> gift to like all, all of dogs to extend their lives. Right. Um, and it was a really like long, interesting journey of, of the solo founder road, right. For about eight years. Um, founding in London originally. Um, so we launched D2C and Harrods um, out the gate. And then um, Colette for Paris Fashion Week came over to every Best Buy in North America, every Petco on NCAP launching their pet tech category. We even got Oprah's favorite things list, um, opened a New York office and Bloomingdale's had, you know, all, all the top like story uh, retailers. Um, and wound up doing all my manufacturing um, out of our Hong Kong office. So kind of flying back and forth there too. But all in all, just like a ton of those uh, first first time founder startup journey learnings, um, and and I think was able to um, make that impact that I wanted to see right for the longevity of dogs' lives. And as I was going through um, in the exit with that company, Sophia and I had come together to kick off um, something that we wanted in, to build in the baby space. We didn't quite know what it was yet, but we knew we wanted to make the biggest impact on childhood development. Um, and so we, yeah, kind of came together, I guess it was almost four years ago now, Sophia, but yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it just feels like yesterday in some, some ways. Um, and, and yeah, we, uh, and, and so you'll see our superpowers are like, like yin and yang here, um, what we bring to, to the table. Um, and yeah, tiny, I get to, to lead our product teams on the tech and food side, uh, which is so much fun. Um, and, and the fundraising and, and partnerships. So yeah, it's been a real dream to get to build this over the last several years um, and to to see that impact realized um, as Tiny was being born, my son was being born. So he got to go through the Tiny journey with us um, as our first kind of tester, um, still eats Tiny to this day, almost four years old. Um, and and yeah, I love loves vegetables. I, oh, there he is right now in the background. <laughs> but I do. I do credit Tiny for his, his love of vegetables for sure. Um, and yeah, I think you know, our, our powers is in like our team and everything that we've been able to achieve with actually all women up until our series A, including half our board and um, most of our investors as well. So we always, you know, that's a big part of our impact too, is like, we want to be the change we want to see in the world, which definitely is um, Sophia's background as well and speaks to that. So all over to you, Sophia. Thanks, Betsy. Um, yeah, you'll definitely see where the yin and yang she mentioned, but um, I'm for me, um, I was born and raised in Finland, um, where I've really been quite, quite introspective during the pandemic. Um, but really, kind of, I feel like I learned of my passion for advocating for women and children, families, kind of early on. Um, and like Betsy had said, we've we're both um, always wanted to be on the side of building something impactful and different in this world. And I think. Um, my family is very academic and artistic and obviously have had a massive impact on who I am today. And I think, again, going back to thinking, 
even just the introspective thinking that I've been doing is looking at like, I think I always felt like the kind of the more traditional career path wasn't necessarily for me. And it kind of, I think ex- the exposure that I had from my family's interests um, really influenced my, my, my career path. Um, we'll talk a little bit more, as Betsy said, we always knew that we wanted to build for families and children in particular. Um, but prior to Tiny, um, I lived, um, I lived, the majority of my life, I lived in Finland, in Helsinki, where I'm from, and then also in London, where Betsy and I actually overlapped, didn't know each other at the time, but I moved to New York um, 12 years ago. And, you know, this is definitely home. Um, and I, prior to Tiny, I spent my career kind of building and launching and building brands. Um, so I have kind of an integrated marketing veteran, if you will, um, with a lot of experience. And prior to Tiny, I was running um, really marketing and, and brand and PR at, at a foundation. And we, did, we were doing research as to why women and minorities haven't risen to the corporate boards in the U.S. Um, and really... We were helping women and minorities to achieve the highest levels of leadership of Fortune 500 corporations. So, very topical. Could talk about that for the rest of the for the rest <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but but really important work, and I think that's all kind of informed all, all the all the life experiences that Betsy and I both have had. Obviously, have gotten us to to where we are. Um, and and I would say in terms of tiny, uh, my why was the Finnish uh, Finnish baby box, this incredible invention we have back home that really helped parents, helped make parents' lives easier and children's lives healthier. Um, and I'm really just so thrilled to, this definitely, are, you know, the, the happiest I've been professionally and really feel like we're creating meaningful impact daily and hear that from our parents as well. So thrilled, thrilled to be building with Betsy and the team. Wow. Um, I have to say, I've never been on an interview where I really feel the passion from both of you about making a huge impact in the world and changing the world and not just fixing, you know, one problem for families. I love it. So have you both always been passionate about healthy eating and food throughout your lives? Yeah, you'll definitely hear the passion here, Julie. Uh, (laughs) And I think, um, I, I think, you know, that's definitely what kind of carried us through is like, this love of plants and understanding that plants can like fuel you um, and light you up, right? Wanting to give that gift to children. Um, we believe that plants are medicine, right? I've been uh, plant-based for almost 18 years now. Um, I had to re-engineer my body, right? Because I grew up on a sugar roller coaster, not really understanding how foods can affect your emotions during your formative years of life. And I think, you know, the way that um, in America, like the food system has sort of set us up, uh, is to be like sugar addicted and, and to run into these diseases that we see, um, you know, across our society, but absolutely in like the communities that need tiny the most, which I know we'll get to in a moment in terms of our North star, uh, for why we're building the business. But I think that if children, we just have this deep, deep belief that if children can learn to fall in love with vegetables from the very first bites, which is possible. And I know Sophia loves going on, <laughs> on, on our um, uh, kind of, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the flavor window. And so I'll, I'll have her kind of dive into that too. Um, but absolutely, this is like personal, like pe- passions for us of like um, helping, helping children discover and love like the way that they feel as well through eating a plant-based diet and that it doesn't have to just be the ups and downs, right? Like that food can fuel them and turn them into the best versions of themselves. 
I love that. And and so, you know, I think for most entrepreneurs, it's that driving force. It's that why, you know, why do we exist? Why did we start this business? Why do we keep going on? Because entrepreneurship is so challenging. And so yep. why, you know, why did you start Tiny Organics and kind of what's the backstory? What was the need that you identified and, and what makes you different from your competitors? I think we co-founded the company. As mentioned, we both had kind of a very similar, um, you know, passion to, to to help make a bigger difference in the lives of um, families and children. As mentioned, and we had a few different kind of ideas on what we could, um, how we could accomplish this. And Betty and I uh, had met years prior, and then reconnected in 2017, and kind of came together, and we were both obviously working full time um, and getting together on the weekends to really um, shape, shape the idea. Um, and we had joined um, an early stage seed fund called Human Ventures, almost like a startup studio back in uh, 2018 as EIRs, as entrepreneurs in residence. And what really attracted us to Human Ventures was kind of their focus on non-traditional founders or founders that don't necessarily look like a typical founder I think for both Betsy and I, it was always very important to build uh, to, to build an accessible, aspirational but accessible company, um, and and f- for anything that we do is to impact as many lives as, as possible. But we really uh, quite quickly realized we had a couple of different ideas and what we could accomplish uh, the mission of kind of helping make children's and families' lives healthier and and better uh, and longer. Um, but we had a couple of different ideas and. Um, on the table and went through this kind of Google Ventures sprint model with Human Ventures, uh, six weeks. Uh, and we we talk about the different ideas we had. One of them was the finished baby box 2.0. One of them was around kind of a baby book that was be, was going to be built differently. Um, and then we quite quickly realized that we could have the biggest impact in child development through food. And things kind of started from there. Um, it really was very magical time for us. Um, we had done a lot of surveys and we did a focus group of moms who kind of came to the, at the time to the human ventures office with us. And we had asked them to kind of share their food journey that essentially all the foods that they would feed their uh, children throughout the week via SMS, via text message, which we're still very much focused on, uh, building that kind of immediate and, and, and intimate relationship, uh, with our customers. Um, but very quickly realized that there was a white space, especially in the finger food and kind of the vegetable forward category. So this is a great tiny story. Uh, Betsy was probably eight plus months pregnant at this moment, but we sent one email to her parents group in Brooklyn, uh, where she was based at the time with a family. And we uh, had had to cap it at a hundred. We had hundreds of families reach out to us. We were looking for founding families for this company and it was only 90 degree heat. Uh, and we were, Basically, people were coming to us, picking up from food from essentially complete strangers. We had some legitimacy, obviously, because Betsy was pregnant at the time. But but it just goes to show that there was a real need and ultimately offering real food for children. Um, we, we can go on our rant. I won't go on our rant about baby food, but really in the last hundred plus years, like every, I would say most food systems, we started kind of overprocessing and overcomplicating our foods. So the idea was really to bring it back like Betsy was saying, to shape the palates of um, children to prefer love vegetables. Because even a lot of the foods that you see today in the market are, um, the veggies are kind of masked. So really this idea of like, this is lifelong impact. And really for us, the big mission is to ensure that children grow up 
kind of to live their healthiest, happiest lives. And, and we know that a lot of chronic diseases and illnesses are also driven by the choices that we make in terms of food. So that's why I mentioned accessibility as well. Want to make sure that tiny is available to everyone uh, and especially in areas where it's needed the most. Yeah, I just want to echo that what Sophia was saying here, because it's actually something pretty radical in our category in terms of the competitive set that we've leaned into the flavor window, which is the age of four to seven months when a human being is more keen to try new flavors than they ever will be their whole life. So actually, we realized it was like this aha moment that instead of feeding only fruit and mainly fruit parades, which are it's like fruit condensed into like more kind of sugar, even though it's natural, it's still... Um, you know, you could have in our competitive set, for instance, 30 grams of natural sugar um, in one serving. And for us, that was just not acceptable. That's not something we would be feeding our babies. Um, we are very much um, only five grams of natural sugar found through fruits in any of our recipes. Um, but we had this sort of aha moment of at the age of four to seven months, if um, a child is practicing baby-led weaning, which is really what we leaned into from the very beginning, where um, you could ignite all of your senses and a child could feed themselves real whole food um, and almost forego parades at that point um, <clears throat> in, in like the true sense of, of baby-led weaning in that term, uh, then you have the ability to, yeah, fall in love with vegetables, right? Where the vegetable, like a lot of times in, in the States, we think... Um, when we think of comfort, it's like, oh, the ice cream or the chocolate or something sweet, right? Um, but we have this massive vision that like comfort could be savory, right? It should be plants. Like comfort could feel like, yeah, you're coming home to like your garden, like that kind of um, that place of like leafy greens that sort of fills you up and gives you this like amazing energy and like really wonderful life, right? That's like a healthy life that allows you to extend it. And so for us, like we, yeah, I think in terms of the competitive set, our biggest differentiator is the form factor. So the fact that we've leaned into a vegetable forward approach with over 80 of our 100 first ingredients being vegetable only um, and savory. And then the form factor where it's real whole food. So it's actually not parade. Of course, we can, you know, if, if your child prefers that like the five, six month mark, um, and I was always doing this as well. It's like you can you can smash or mush, right? Like the the flavors together um, if that's what you're comfortable with. And of course, we we never mom shame. There's already enough mom mom guilt out there, right? <laughs> but like if you wanna if you wanna start with um, you know those real whole foods, which is perfectly safe, it's just as safe as parades. Um, then a child can get to explore what a broccoli should feel like, should crunch like. Um, should taste and, and, and smell like, you know, in this way, um, because you, you're meant to heat all of our meals. And so um, this was a really big epiphany for us early on where we were like, this is how we can be like category defining um, and really differentiated uh, from from the from all of the competitive set. Right. And the fact that we're leaning into the real whole vegetable forward food approach. I love it. So important. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about kind of what things were like in the early days and, and challenges that you experienced along the way. If mealtimes are stressful and you just can't get your kids to eat what you make, then you've got to get them in the kitchen. Cooking with my kids has really gone a long way in encouraging them to try new foods and eat their veggies. But most of us aren't chefs, and that's why I love the Kids Cook Real Food e-course. This course was created by a mom of four and a former elementary school teacher, and it's for kids ages two to teen. You'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 
45 videos, including a ton of bonuses, principal supply and grocery shopping list, and kid-friendly recipes. The course also has a ton of substitutions, so if your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, they've got you covered. My daughters and I have taken the course, and it was so easy to follow along that they made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken this course, and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. All you have to do to sign up is go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues and sign up. Most of the time, I don't even know why I cook meals because all my kids want are snacks. But finding healthy snacks with real food ingredients that are also affordable isn't always easy. And that's why I love Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that makes healthy living easy and affordable. Everything is organic and non-GMO, and members save an average of $32 on every order. My kids are all about the Lara bars and the Go Raw cinnamon snacking seeds. Thrive Market also has essential groceries, safe supplements, non-toxic home products like Truce, which is one of my favorite cleaners. And they also have clean beauty products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues where you can sign up and see my favorite items. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a family in need. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. All right, Betsy and Sophia. So let's talk about kind of the initial steps that you took to launch the business. And what was one challenge that you think was really a great learning lesson for you as you grew the business? There were so many. I mean, (laughs) where do we start, Sophia? I think... Maybe the biggest challenge was the fact that we launched in January 2020. So we could have had no um, idea the kind of supply chain challenges that we were going to face, the kind of demand that we would face given a global pandemic. I mean, there was just no concept, right? Like we were sort of just almost like a bit naive, right? (laughs) To thinking like, oh, we're going to be this, you know, um, childhood development company that's building these um, amazing food products. And, And, you know, so many, so much of life is about timing you know, um, timing. And I think like the fact that we were, we were there, um, to meet parents where, when they needed us the most, right. Like directly to their door with these fresh foods made frozen. Um, that was such a blessing, right. That we always talk about. We're so, so grateful that we're able to, to do that and and to meet that real need because, um, that was, that could have been almost like a crushing challenge for, um, a startup that wasn't quite ready for it, but because we'd like properly launched nationwide January, 2020, we were then able to really, um, yeah, just meet that need and, and optimize for it. Like Betsy said, we, there is that silver lining of us meeting a real need during that time. And because the meals are made fresh and ship frozen. So we were able to, on the marketing side, really lean into kind of that stocking up type behavior as well, as we, you know, again, launched um, in, in January when the world really changed in, uh, in in March and beyond. And I think for us, a couple of things, I think our CX team deserves a massive shout out during that time, of course. You know, we had, like everyone, had some delayed packages and we shipped with dry ice as well. So we were, 
especially summertime, um, you know, had, had longer lead times. The other thing was um, our um, just our food production, because in New York, where um, the manufacturing facility was in New York. So I think that was a, obviously posed a big challenge for us as well to make sure we're able to go. And our, our head chef uh, was able to actually go and, and make the food with her team. Um, so I, I do think, um, you know, the team really came together uh, and was able to, uh, to, to, you know, really, we had a really, really, actually really good year for business in, in 2020. But that all, you know, really like everything, we're very and always customer centric. So the, the main thing for us is that we were able to really serve our customers in a way that really helped their lives during a very trying year. Um, so, but yeah, the, the kudos go to the whole team. Um, but yeah, there were multiple challenges during that year. And now it's just interesting because I do think also it helped in some ways. The team is super cohesive and, 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 and I think it really, you really felt like you were experiencing something collectively together. Um, and I will say one more thing regarding the pandemic is that something else that we did was actually partner with the food bank for New York City um, and really try to help that way as well. Um, so we partnered with them and, and donated meals. Wonderful. Which is something that we've continued to do um, since. But yeah, just something that we also, again, wouldn't be building what we're building if if we couldn't create that meaningful impact. Um, so, And so what can people expect when they become customers of Tiny Organics? Yes, we actually just launched really excitedly with one of our investors, Brooklyn Decker, um, this last uh, quarter. Um, so just a couple months ago, Tiny Beginnings, the very first new product line since launching January 2020. Um, and it's uh, it's for it's made for the four to eight month old baby. So it is much bigger pieces. Um, it's almost counterintuitive, like what you would imagine um, a, a baby of that age needing. Right. Because it's when you look at it and you can see it on our website is it, it's bigger. It's like the actual pe- whole piece of broccoli. Um, it's the whole carrot, right? It's, it's bigger pieces. Whereas our current offering um, that we've been, you know, um, kind of had all the traction with to date uh, is really around exploring other cultures through food, right? So like we have a ratatouille, which I can never make on my own, right? In my kitchen, it's just like this beautiful uh, recipe or like Valencian paella, coconut curry, we just launched the first indigenous baby food recipe called Three Sisters made by my cousin, a Native American chef. Um, we were able to um, partner with sort of all, all of the like folks around the table that can bring these insights around other cultures that we want to educate children. Like what more beautiful way than through um, their palates, right? Than through what they're experiencing with the food. But what you get there are more complex flavors, right? So a lot of times we found with our hero meals that babies and and toddlers were coming to us around the seven, eight month mark, right? When like, you're really ready for solids. Like, okay, now you've moved on from like the smash, smush the parade. And so we thought, okay, we want to meet a real baby led weaning focused need here for uh, the parents. So now when you come onto our user journey on the website, which we've totally replatformed this year as well. um, And so that's been super exciting to see because so much of the experience that you get at Tiny is through our, you know, the profile view of your child, getting to see the different flavors they've tried. Have they tried all 100 first flavors, right? Like those kind of exciting um, insights there. And, and you know, with the way we guide them through that journey is through, it's from, you know, their, their, their birthday, right? So that they're able, and obviously any kind of allergen input, which we're free of the big nine allergens um, as well. 
But, you know, we try to take down all of these things that could be re related to their gut health. For instance, because our first partnership we ever brought on was with Tufts School of Nutrition and Policy, the Dean Dariush Masafarian has been our first advisor, actually, to the company and helped us to craft some of these questions that we ask for our research purposes that we in the work we do with them, where it's a total optional like opt in. But you can actually tell us if your child was born by C-section um, and if they were breastfed. And if that's the case, like anonymously, of course, but they're going to have a different gut health that we can then try to cater to in terms of their microbiome. So this is kind of the deeper work that we're sort of trying to ladder up to and, and have been doing in the background since the very beginning, um, but is just now kind of coming to light with these new product launches like Tiny Beginnings, where we can offer like those real whole foods that like complement each other in a way where the child is getting every nutrient they need from that meal and it's, and it's delivered um, so that they can kind of build their independence from the very first bite. Wow. I love how it's more than just a food company. It's research-based. It's all about children. Exactly. Love it. Yes. And so I read that the company takes a direct-to-community approach. So what does that look like? Great question. We talk about it often. I can kind of share a little bit more. And when we found a tiny uh, direct-to-community, we talk about community, obviously, a lot. And for us, this community that we serve, which is parents, moms and parents, is obviously very um, I think the, the magic of being a parent comes from those sharing of those moments and everyone kind of experiencing very similar moments together. So when we started Tiny, we still host these. We we call them Tiny Supper Clubs. And we're both obviously having lived in London, having lived in the UK, Supper Clubs, you know, felt like a really good name for these events, these community events that we host at Tiny. And the whole idea was for it to really be a, uh, it was like a night out for moms. And the whole idea was for them to be local. So when we think about community, we always say that it needs to be also repeatable. So, you know, our our whole big mission with the Tiny Supper Clubs was that we would bring, um, you know, 20 to 20, 20 to 30 moms together from a specific location or specific city. We've probably done about 25 of them so far. Um, and it's been a tremendous experience. So before pandemic, Betsy and I hosted them um, in person. Um, and then they were virtual for some time. And now we're kind of resuming the in-person events as well. And the whole idea is that, of course, anyone who attends uh, has experienced Tiny. So we make sure everyone, we send Tiny for, for them and their little ones. Uh, but the whole idea is really kind of this idea of like sharing experiences, uh, both good and bad, kind of the joys and then the challenges of, of being a parent. Um, and we've had tears and and laughter and Betsy and I were joking. The first one in Boston was kind of like hers on my wedding. Um, so they were really incredible events and we've really seen kind of that magic. And now I think the next step for Betsy and I, when we think about communities, how to do that more at scale without losing that, 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 that real magic that happens. Um, but then I can talk about a little bit more just following on from that around the acquisition piece around organic acquisition. So that's been always totally absolutely in our DNA and totally core for what we're building is is organic acquisition. So, you know, for us on the on the on the marketing and the growth side um, is to make sure that we really build these kind of deep relationships with our parents. Um, and I mentioned a little bit about texting or SMS, which is one of our key channels. And again, this idea of like how can we share kind of education, information and inspiration, if you will, with our customers and how can we be this kind of friendly voice on this journey um, as our parents start their kind of uh, solid, their solid food journey with their little ones. 
Uh, and we always say Tiny is almost like, yeah, almost like this trusted friend. A lot of our names uh, in our meals are like punny and funny. And we say the pun signifies us really well, where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're really here to provide that like uh, friendly advice um, and, and, and more of that education as well. We have a very active Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Um, and then we have a very active blog as well, where we share a lot of these insights. Just There's a lot of anxieties around starting First Foods as well. So really, again, uh, sharing that, that, that knowledge that we have um, around, Betsy talked about vegetable forwardness, textured foods, baby led weaning in particular. We get a lot of parents obviously having questions around uh, baby led weaning, baby led feeding, we call it sometimes. This idea of like, what are the benefits of starting with uh, finger foods first? And again, Betsy mentioned this already, we never parent shame or guilt. So I kn- we know a lot of our parents do combo feeding as well. But the whole idea is to, to really to be able to provide kind of this friendly voice and this um, this education and, 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 and our own experience as well uh, for, our, for, our, for our parents. Great. Yeah. I think that feeding kids today is just so challenging, right? I mean, we, when, when babies start out with solids, it's, it's, it can, it's pretty easy. I think, I mean, it was for, for me and my children, but when they get older, it becomes a lot more difficult because they're just in new situations. They're at school, they're seeing kids eat other types of food and they want to know why, you know, you don't have that in your house. And, and so what are your favorite tips for, for feeding little ones? Yeah, we really lean in and I totally resonate with that so much, Julie, because as they get older, I mean, there is a pickiness factor, right. That comes into play. And so we really lean into those earliest, like very first bites and even taste of a first food. Um, so if, if you haven't joined tiny, um, you know, in the first year, that's still fine. We have, you know, um, post the first year, like children staying with us, even my son eating it still now. I mean, we always joke because the food is so good and it is real whole food that we actually eat it too. And I know we're going to talk about our favorite meals here in a minute as well, but I think like the way that we approach it is if you can introduce veggies early and often, which is why we had partnered with Michelle Obama on her um, PHA partnership for healthier America that she founded in the white house. And we were honored at her 10 year summit as one of the founding partners of this initiative, authoring the white paper with her on, on this very topic um, is because we found in the research that if you can introduce, even if you miss like the six month mark, the 12 month mark, if you can introduce as early and often vegetables into the child's diet, they will be more keen, right. To enjoy that later and to come back to that food again. So at any point, like if it's before the seven month mark, then we know with that flavor window, you probably only need one or two tries, right? If it's past the eight month mark, then you just keep trying, right? Sometimes with Sebi, it took up to like, you know, 10 tries or, you know, however <laughs> many until you, you, you can place it next to a food that they already do accept, right? Um, and, and get to do it that way. And, and, you know, something we always talk about that the research has shown us as well is that if a child sees you eating the same food as them and enjoying it, they are more keen. So, you know, it, it just promotes that family time. You know, what we're really trying to get back to the parent is that quality time spent, right, as a family with with their loved ones um, and and to make that feeding, you know, as, as easy and convenient um, and wholesome, right, as, as possible. So I think that there's a few different strategies, but for us at Tiny, we really try to engage mom at the very first bites. <laughs> And so, yeah, that is a fun question. What is your favorite Tiny Organics meal? And, and what's your, what are your children's favorites? Oh, it's so tricky. So Sebastian, <laughs> um, I know I can see like changes. Um, and uh, actually, 
somebody asked him this, uh, I think one of our board members the other day, and he said, because he had it that morning, he said it was the um, OMG, which is our blueberry oatmeal. Um, yeah, they all have really fun names, but he actually knows like <laughs> their names now and stuff because he's almost four. Um, but you know, his his um, go to is usually a coconut curry, um, and he he absolutely loves the um, the ratatouille as well. Um, he'll eat the apple pie oats um, most mornings too. And what we've often found, if the child's over three years old, it's a healthy side or a snack, right? So he can enjoy it with almost any meal as like the side, um, which is, which is really, really fun. But yeah, my personal, I mean, I'm just a little bit biased because we um, actually source the ingredients for the indigenous recipe from the reservation um, where the three sisters uh, kind of come together with the squash, uh, the corn and the bean to, to, to form this like beautiful harmony. And of course, with my cousin designing that recipe, I'm a little bit biased, but it's our three sisters is my favorite. Um, So I'd have to go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, mine is the ratatouille. Uh, Betsy knows this. I talk about it often. <laughs> I make it with pasta. It's really amazing. And we were just saying, like, obviously, for, for there's no added sugar, no added salt, of course, in our foods. But for adults, there's many different meals. You can make them. There's a baby burrito bowl. You can add a bit of hot sauce and avocado. It actually has avocado, but you can add more avocado to it. That's a great snack as well. Uh, but, yeah, I would have to say ratatouille. And that's the other thing, actually, we didn't mention yet, is that we introduce different cultures through food, which is really a big part of our value prop as well. Um, and, and also introduce vegetables in a friendly and fun way. So, uh, but yeah, that that would that takes me to, back to France. So Wonderful. Well, Sophia and Betsy, this has been so much fun. Tell me where listeners can go to learn more about Tiny Organics and, and you. But yeah, tinyorganics.com. And there you can buy both the Tiny Beginnings, which is for the youngest of eaters, the only baby led weaning product out on the market, as well as our Tiny Bowls or Tiny Hero Meals, which are the four ounce cups, uh, includes our oatmeals and the, and, the, uh, and the lunch and dinner meals as well. And again, no prep required. You just heat up the meals and they're ready to go. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Julie. Thanks so much. That was an amazing interview with Betsy and Sophia. In all my years as a journalist, I don't think I've ever interviewed entrepreneurs who were so passionate about their businesses. Be sure to head on over to tinyorganics.com to learn more and join. Thank you so much for tuning into the Food Issues Podcast. You can connect with me on julierevelant.com where you can leave me a voicemail or send me a message and let me know about a new topic or guest you'd like to hear from. And be sure to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I'll see you next week.